Passion Week. Started last week and talking about the events that took place that last week of Jesus Christ here on the earth up until Resurrection Sunday. And what we want in doing this is for our individual passion for God to, to increase. And I said it last week that, that we'd have three, three services with, with this Passion Week. And, and yes, we did Palm Sunday last week or the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Jerusalem going in, uh, riding in on a donkey and enthroned in the praises of of the people and of course the, the 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 religious folks that were there that day you know make them be quiet you know tell your your followers to hush to to shut up to to stop doing what they're doing and of course Jesus responded back and said if these hold their peace a rock the rocks will cry out so we talked about it's either a rock or you it's you or a rock a rock or you and and, and we don't want a rock to take our place. We're going to go ahead and offer up to Jesus the praise and the glory that's due his name. Somebody say amen. Amen. So, so the week starts off there, and, 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 and it's not about what you like. It's about what he likes. It's, it's not about uh, uh, just, just doing things your own way. It's about doing them his way, and we talked about that. He enjoys your praise. He enjoys your worship. So thank you for taking a moment while ago and allowing God's presence and power to move in this place as we lifted up our hearts and lifted up our voices unto God. He likes that. Somebody say amen. So today in that same Passion Week theme, we're going to go to Mark and, and, and the, the Gospel of Mark. And you can see this also in Matthew as well as in Luke. But Mark frames up together two things. Matthew does the same, two, two simultaneous stories here, two things. Right after his triumphal entry comes this very next event. Now, now triumphal entry on Sunday, so these could be called Monday moments, if you would. And after a Sunday victory, often we're met with the frustrations on Monday morning. Anybody know what I'm talking about? After victory on Sunday or a victorious weekend, often, often something comes uh, right at us on, on Monday, and it's Mondays, am I right? Somebody say amen. So he enters into Jerusalem, and from there he goes straight into the temple. And we'll begin reading in Mark chapter 11, verse 11. And why don't we go ahead and stand and honor the reading of the word of the Lord, because we're going to read uh, you know, 11, about 10, 11 verses right here, and we'll alternate in, in reading, and we'll kind of go slow to get the setting and, and see what uh, is going on here. Jesus entered in Jerusalem. He went to the temple courts. He looked around at everything. Now remember, this is, this is on that Sunday. This is on that Palm Sunday. He goes straight in, goes straight into the temple courts. He looks upon everything. He surveys everything, looks around at everything. But since it's already late, uh, he went out to Bethany with the 12. So he looked, but then he left. He looked, he, he walked in, he, he took, a, took a glance at everything. He looked, but then he left. I don't know about you, but if he comes in and he looks... I want him to stay. 
Amen. I don't want him just to look and just go on about his way or go on to where he stayed. I want him to stay right here wherever I am. And that is what he does. He said he'd never leave you nor forsake you, but he'd go with you even to the ends of the earth. Verse 12, everyone, let's read in unison together. Come on, the next day. Jesus was hungry in verse 13, seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf. So there was a fig tree had green leaves on it. He went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not season or that tree season for figs. Verse 14, everyone together. All right, so he says, hey, no fruit on you. May nobody ever eat fruit from you again. Speaks to the tree there, right? And the disciples heard him say it, verse 15. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there, driving out the money changers. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Now, now verse 16, everybody look at this. Everybody take, take note of this as we read together again. And would not allow... Okay, now when you just read that, you just read that and you, 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 you kind of just say, okay, well, you, you don't carry anything into the sanctuary. And, and that's, that there's some respect that goes on there. And, and, and old, time, old time church used to even say, okay, well, you can't, you can't do anything. You can't carry anything into, into the, the sanctuary because it's, it's sacred and it's holy. And yes, there, there's some sacredness and some holiness about this. But, but actually what is going on right there is, is a little bit different than just carrying something into the sanctuary or, or, or drinking something in the sanctuary or, 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 or doing this or doing that. See, what was going on there was, was they were taking a shortcut through. It would be it would be very similar to say say we were moving something from from the foyer to this door right here and we were loading up a truck right there and 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 just say Tony is is coming through right as I am preaching with with a dolly full of stuff and merchandise and he's going down this aisle right when I'm talking and going right out that door what they're doing is instead of going around the parking lot and around the building you know to to where it it's it's less convenient He'd just take a shortcut right through. Didn't matter what was going on there, not respecting what was taking place in there, but rather was taking a shortcut right in the middle there. So, so, so Jesus did. He said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What are you doing here? You don't carry that through here. You, you go around there. You have respect for that. What are you thinking? Why would you do that right, right in the middle of of the house of God?" He stopped everyone from parading their gear. From, from one side to the other, they had found this shortcut and they were saving time and, and they were saying, you know what, we're, we're just going to do it our way. And Jesus said, no, you're not doing this. You're not making shortcuts and, and taking shortcuts that are convenient for you. He said, stop doing that. And then verse 17, did I read last or did you guys read last? Whose turn? My turn. All right. Let's, let's, let's keep it fair. And, and, and as he taught them, he said, is it not written? My house shall be called a house 
of prayer for all nations. But you've made it what? A den of robbers. You've made it a den of thieves. Verse number 18, everybody together. The chief priest and the teachers of the law. They were astonished at his teachings. They were amazed at his teachings. And I still am today. Is anybody with me? I'm still amazed at the teachings of Jesus Christ, at the word of God. When evening came, verse 19, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. Okay, now, when evening, they go out of the city. Verse 20, everybody. What was it? The fig tree, was it alive? Was it alive originally? It was leaves. It was leaves, but it didn't have any fruit. Now Jesus cursed the fig tree, and now it's withered from its roots. Verse 21, Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Okay, and, you know, you got you to put yourself in this situation. These disciples, they've, they've, on Sunday, the, 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 the entry into Jerusalem, Hosanna's blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Set him upon a donkey. Remember, everything was just like Jesus had said. If the master has need of it. Okay, if he's got need of it, let him take it. He can have it. And, and then they go in the temple. They, they come out. They go to Bethany. They, they get up. They're going to the temple. They see this fig tree, walks over to it, leaves but no fruit. You're not, nobody's ever going to eat of you, curses it. And then they go in the temple, overthrows the money changers tables and kicks them and he's firm and he's he's stern and and then they go out and then they come back and boom this this tree is already withered and dead and and, and look peter says look at this uh, the fig tree you cursed has withered in verse 22 jesus responds just with this have faith in god have faith in God. Now, I'm sure Peter wanted to, you know, just, you know, a little explanation of what's going on here, what's transpired here, what, what is all this stuff. And Jesus just responds, have faith in God. That is his answer back to Peter right here. Have faith in God. Now, I'm going to pull all this together, but I want to read just a couple more, couple more verses here. Verse 23, everybody together. Truly. Oh, is that all I gave you? All right, well, you want me to read the next two? 23 says, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. I want us all to read that because that needs to sink in here. Have faith in God, Jesus says. And then he says this, everybody, truly I tell you. Twenty-two says, "Have faith in God." That's his response to the withered-up dead tree. Have faith in God. And then he says, "Truly, I tell you, if anybody says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea," and then twenty-four he says, "Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be 
yours. I'm going to tie this to another story on the, on the Passion Week. But he said, my house shall be called a, a house of prayer. The house shall be called a house of prayer. And then, the, then down below he says, whatsoever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And, and again, I'll, I'll bring this together, but dirty and distracted is our title on this Passion Week series, lesson number two or message number two, dirty and distracted. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that statement, dirty and distracted. Let's pray one more time and just ask for the Lord's blessing. Father, right now, touch your word to our hearts, to our minds, strengthen us, speak to us, help us, God, in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. When evening came, they went out of the city. And as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away at its roots. And Peter remembered and said, Master, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered, have faith in God. Have faith in God. You, you rely on God. You, you, you put your trust in God. You don't be distracted. Don't be distracted by the coming and the going and, and this and that. Remember, Jesus is the main character of the story. He's the main character of your story, not just a character in the story. He is the main character of your life. Jesus said, we're going the wrong way here. And, and when he went into the temple, he noticed that they weren't going about things the right way, that they were distracted from the, the main thing and began to take shortcuts and begin doing things the other way, going in wrong direction, now shortcuts. And Jesus steps in and says, wait, uh, we can't do it this way. Stop, you're, you're making minor things the major things. And the major things, you're not, you're not having major at all. We need to realize that God uh, is the major thing. We made to make sure that the main thing is uh, the main thing, that we're not just uh, doing this and doing that and running here and running there and distracted by all this stuff that is going on uh, and forget about the main thing in our life. Uh, your adversary, the devil, uses many tactics and many schemes to keep you from Jesus, to keep you from worship, to keep you from giving your life uh, totally and completely unto him. He'll do many things. It's all your choice. It's your choice when whether you serve him or whether you don't, whether you come to church or whether you don't, whether you give your life to him or, or whether you don't, he can't keep you from worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. He cannot stop you from coming to church. He cannot stop you from living for God, but he will try. He'll, he'll do things. He'll try to deceive you. He'll, he'll try to twist the word of God. He'll couple with something that is false with a little bit of truth there and get you to believe wrongly or get you not to believe at all. He's, he's deceptive in that. And, and he'll try to deceive you. He'll also use discouragement 
which is noticeable in in emotions. John the Baptist and Elijah battled this, battled depression. We can't say, oh, uh, well, if you just get over it, if you just shake it off, and and I'll say that a lot. If if, if you'll just get your mind right and you'll just get your heart right, all these things will will go away and lift up your head, oh, ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. And a lot of times, uh, you know, we just kind of brush it off. But but depression, and discouragement are real. They're real things and people battle with that and you you don't just shake that off or don't just uh, sweep that underneath uh, the rug. Uh, John the Baptist, uh, when Jesus asked, uh, uh, who do you say uh, John is? Was he a prophet? Oh yeah, much more than a prophet. And Jesus said of John the Baptist uh, that there was never even a greater prophet than John. Not a greater prophet prophet that ever walked upon the face of the earth than John the Baptist and John sitting in a prison cell was discouraged and even doubted what he'd given his life to when he spoke through those prison bars and he told those two lone disciples or so the the number that had grown so low that had come to see him while he was in prison go ask him is he he or do we look for another John, the one that baptized him with his own hands in water, seen the heavens open, the spirit descend upon him like a dove, heard the voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That same John sat in a prison cell and said, ask him, is he he or do we look for another? So the one that Jesus said was the greatest prophet that ever walked upon the face of the earth uh, suffered from depression uh, and discouragement if he could and folks we're susceptible as well somebody say amen Elijah, the great prophet, the great prophet was in a cave and was moved from depression right after a great victory and went and hid himself in a cave and even asked the Lord, hey, go ahead and take me. Go ahead and let my life end. So depression and discouragement are a tool that your adversary does use. He uses it, but we can overcome it. But another thing that is effective that you don't even see taking place and it's kind of subtly works its way in to your life subtly comes in. You see, when you're depressed and you're, 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 you're discouraged, it's, it's obvious It's obvious to you, it's obvious to those that are around you, but this next thing doesn't come in as an obvious tactic. It comes in subtly, and it comes in slowly, and before you know it, it works on you, and and, and it's successful on you. It gets you distracted, gets you distracted. It gets you focused on, on something else less so that you don't give your time, so that you don't give your money, so that you don't give your loyalty, so that you don't give your energy, so that you don't give your affection, so that you don't give your expression to the most important thing in this world, and that's unto God. He'll distract you. He's not getting you to do some of the things that you came out of. He's not tempting you to go back to the life that you, that you came out of. 
Some of you would never do the things that, 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 that you left this world for. Some of you would never, never take part in, in some of the things that you, that you used to be. And he knows he can't get you to, to go back to what you used to be. But if he can get you distracted... If he can get you so busy, so busy and focused on stuff that does not matter, it'll take him away from what really does matter. It's not that they're doing wrong. It's not the things that you're doing that, that have you distracted or wrong, but, but it's taking you away from what is right. Now notice in, in the scripture that Jesus comes into the temple, these folks were in the temple. It was that church they came to church, but they were doing things uh, the wrong way. Just because we come to church, and, and folks, I don't ever want to say that, that, that come, not coming to church is right. You want to you come to church. You don't want to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That's what the Word of God says. We want to be in the house of God. We want to worship together corporately. Some say, well, I, I get my inspiration from God. Good, you better get your inspiration from God. You better read the Bible every day. You need to pray. You need to have communion with God you need to have relationship with God but you also need corporate worship you're not an island unto yourself you don't know more than everybody else knows uh, you're not something special yes we're all special but you're not something special above and beyond what everybody else is everybody needs the church somebody say amen give the Lord one more hand clap of praise so busy and, and, and activity and, 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 and just so much stuff has, a, has people so distracted from what really matters. And if you read the story, it seems like Jesus has taken out his frustration right after a day of victory, right after a day of great, uh, great victory, triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Then they come up on the, the fig tree and, and he's taken out frustration maybe on the fig tree. And then he goes and he turns over the tables and, and he's anti figs and these anti-tables he's just against this stuff and, and, and there's a lot of symbolism there and Jesus is, is, is living out this parable here and he's teaching uh, he's bringing teaching in and, and he's trying to teach us it's not about figs and it's not about tables it's really he sees the people that, that he's dying for missing the moment uh, there's no substance uh, everything is about profession nothing is about practice uh, everything is about profession uh, nothing getting inside the heart they're just going through the motions and business activity minor things are becoming what's important and now shortcuts are being made right through the temple and it's all become a shortcut and no longer is it my house shall be called a house of prayer and my house a house where my presence lives there's no fruitfulness business activity but no fruit we need some purpose and we need some fruitfulness so that we can make a difference and be a blessing. And Jesus is pointing this out, that it's not just this business stuff. And no, this is not so that you can accomplish some type of financial feat. This is not for your, for your, and your only benefit. This is all about God. We need purpose. We need fruitfulness. A fig tree with leaves and no fruit is not what it's all about 
And Israel is what Jesus is showing here has become this. They looked good. They were green with somewhat of life in them, but they bore no fruit. It looked good, but when he got closer to inspect it and try to get something off of it that would benefit Jesus, there was no figs, no figs there. The temple, there's a lot of business, a lot of commerce going on, but there's no connection with God. There's no communion with God. It was all ritual and no relationship. And the thing is, is all this stuff isn't just stories. It's not just history. It's not just something that you read for your Bible reading. This stuff is applicable to our lives today. It applies to me. And if so, how does this apply to me? I I can't just go through the motions and not be connected to God. I can't just shortcut the disciplines out of convenience. We want real power with God. We need relationship. We need connection with God. We need anointing. We need the power of God. Not a one of us can heal anybody. Not a one of us can save anybody, but he can. And we need him to be able to move in this place, to be able to move through us and minister to people right where they are. We need the power and the anointing of God. Fig tree is leafy, but no figs. People are so busy and so much stuff and we get alerts and and communication and all this and all that going on and work and school and all the extra that goes on. And, And if we're not careful, Jesus becomes a character in the story rather than the theme of our story. Still coming to church, physically showing up, some are, but pick up a sacrifice at the door and bring it to the altar, whatever is easiest full of leaves but no fruit green and full of leaves but not making a difference fig tree is a figure of Israel sent the prophets and I came to you Jesus came to you but they didn't listen they didn't receive him temple is a symbol of his presence to his people I came to you but there are so many distractions and folks he's come to you today We felt his presence and his power in this house. He's come and visited us today. We cannot allow the distractions of life to so entangle us and so get our focus off of what is the main thing. Not that what we're doing and not that what we're focused on is something bad or, or something that's, uh, that, that's all in, in and of itself a bad thing. But when we focus on it all of the time and we don't have uh, the proper priority and the proper place giving to God uh, and giving our life to him, then it becomes a bad thing so what we need to do is we need to make a statement within our hearts today 
And we need to say, you know what? I will not be distracted by the distractions. I will not be distracted by the distractions. Yes, you have to work. Yes, you have to go to school. Yes, you have to put the time in. You have to study. You have to do this. You have to do that. And yes, lives are are busy and lives are consumed with so much stuff. But at the same time, we cannot be distracted by all of these distractions. Even in the midst of it, put God first. Even in the midst of your responsibility responsibilities put God first even in the midst of all the things that you're doing put God first and make sure he's the center of everything I will not be distracted in the distractions I will also not be shaken in the shaking folks we have lived these last couple years in a day where things are shaking when the world is unstable from pandemic to wars and rumors of wars and now economy and and stock market and all this stuff I will not be shaken by the shakening why because I put my trust in the main thing I put my trust in him and he knows the end from the beginning he knows it all he can take care of us we are his children I won't be shaken by the shakening and yes this world is is unpredictable life is unpredictable and nobody knows what tomorrow holds and nobody knows what will take place this time next year there's no way of knowing but he knows and as long as I give my life to him and I put everything into him and I put my trust into him he will take care of you I'll not be distracted by all these distractions, uh, good or bad. Uh, I will not be shaken uh, in the shaken, uh, shakening, uh, and I will not be discouraged in the discouragement. I already made the statement and already pushed the, 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 the Bible characters of John the Baptist and Elijah that discouragement can come, and it can come to the very best, uh, if not the rest. Discouragement can come, but don't be discouraged in the discouragement. Keep your head lifted up. Trust in God. Trust in God. Somebody say hallelujah. Psalm 62, 6 and 7 from the NLT says, He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. And then I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. Somehow, somehow Jesus is getting the lesson here to his disciples, not to be distracted, not to be distracted, because once you become distracted, then there's things that come into your life or that you allow into your life. It won't be bad initially from the start distractions don't have to be bad things uh, but he's showing them here hey you've got to be fruitful you've got to be fruitful in your ministry you've got to be fruitful and be a difference maker so you cannot allow all these distractions to come in if you want to be fruitful he said have faith in God Hebrews 12 and 2 looking unto Jesus the author and the perfecter the author and the finisher of my faith for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God I'll keep looking unto him I'll keep trusting in him now stay with me here I I want you to get something from this today Jesus' response 
when Peter commented about the dried up fig tree was directly to have faith in God. He's saying, don't let all these distractions pull away your focus from being fruitful. Having green leaves but not producing anything. Because if you have faith in God, you shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And if you believe those things that you say, it shall be done. And as he did at the temple, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you've made it a den of thieves. My house shall be called a house of prayer. And then he goes into the same thing with the, with the fig tree there. Therefore, I tell you, what, whatever you ask for in prayer. Don't be distracted by all this stuff. Don't, 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 don't get distracted and get your mind focused on all these other things and forget about the most important thing. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, folks, that's a mouthful right there. Have faith in God. You can say this mountain, be thou removed and cast in the sea. And if you do not doubt it within your heart, what you ask for, you shall receive. And he goes and he says, therefore, I tell you whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. He, Matthew chapter 23, verse number 11. Jesus said, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Now remember, this is, this is his passion week. This is, his, this is Jesus' last week with, with his disciples. And he's, he's, he's trying to get this into them. This, this fig, fig tree, this, this, this cleaning the, the house of God, this, this faith in God, this prayer. And then the lesson isn't over. Because a couple nights later, just before Passover, in John chapter 13, the disciples get into a discussion. They get into an argument over who would be the greatest in the kingdom. They're distracted. They're, they're, they're distracted here. Who would be the greatest in the kingdom? If we look to the Old Testament, King David is a, is a favorite to many. What brought King David to, to center stage in the people's eyes? Of course, defeating Goliath, defeating the giant, great story. David was a war hero. He'd come back from, from, from fighting battles and the people would be singing in the streets about him. Saul had killed his thousands, David his tens of thousands. Why? Why was he so popular? Why was he so successful? Why? This man was promoted. Listen to this. This man was promoted in the kingdom of God because he had the heart of a servant. 
David was the youngest of eight brothers, the son of a man named Jesse. The older brothers were at war, at least preparing to fight. And the father said one day, son, I need you to do something. It may not look important. It may not be such a big thing, but it's important to God. And Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain. Take these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and see how the brothers are, are getting along and bring back a report on, on how they're doing. In other words, David, you want to one day fight in a battle first, you've got to bring a lunch. You want to be on center stage one day first, you've got to do some of the small things. First, you're willing to do what may seem insignificant, what isn't often visible to others, and you may feel like it's behind the scenes but the way you're promoted in the kingdom of God is never by self-promotion. It is always by serving. Always by serving. If you want to be great, what do you do? You serve. You serve. You give. The greatest among you is a servant. And one of the ways that you do this is simply being obedient. Simply for David, it was bringing his brothers a lunch. So back to John chapter 13 now, and I love this. Again, the setting is just before Passover. And there in the upper room, Jesus was, was seated and, and there with his disciples. And, and he knows that he's about to give his life. He knows that, that this thing here upon earth for him is coming to a close. He knows that, that he's giving his life a, a ransom for many. He knows that this ends in death. And he knows that. And, and suddenly there's an argument that breaks out among the disciples, a, a discussion so so to speak, and who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom they were talking about. And I can imagine John, John the beloved, saying, I, I, that's got to be me. Everybody knows that's me. It's obvious that I'm going to be the greatest because everybody knows that I'm the disciple with whom Jesus loves. And Peter says, oh, no, you're, you're not the one that's going to be the greatest, John. It's going to be me. All you can say, whatever you will, but I'm the only one that's here that's ever walked upon water. I'm the only one. You guys were scared in the boat, shaking in your shoes. And when we saw Jesus, I'm the one that spoke out to him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come walking upon the water. And I stepped out of that boat and the waves and the wind and I'm walking on top of all of that stuff and then probably it was that another disciple spoke up and said oh yeah Peter you walked a good two or three steps and then you begin to sink Who's going to be the greatest? And they argued back and, and forth and among. And there among them sits the greatest. There among them in that room was the greatest. He was the most important one. Jesus is sitting at the table. Knowing that he did not come to be served. But to serve others. He looks around. And he sees Proud, distracted hearts. 
and dirty feet. Distracted hearts and dirty feet. And so what does the greatest among them do at that point? What does Jesus do? Scripture says Jesus got up from the meal, took out off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around himself. He poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet. Now, if you'd been there, this would have been the most incredible selfless service that you'd ever seen in your entire life. Everyone there is going, no, Jesus, you, you can't do this. No, no, not, not you, and, and certainly don't, don't do it to me. This foot washing was a, a tradition or a custom. It was a, a polite, for example, if, if, if you come to, to my home or to someone's home today, you'd offer them water or you'd say, hey, could I get you a cup of coffee or maybe some, some hot tea or, or something? And, and, and you, that would be a, a polite thing. But, but back in those days, they, they would walk. Their, their means of transportation was mostly walking. And, and their walking was with sandaled feet. And, and, and the dirt and the dust from, from, from the city and from the roads and from the streets would, would get all over their, their feet. And it was a customary thing. And it was, it, it was, it was the right thing to do that when they came in, they would, there would be the, 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 the stuff there at the door and, 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 and they would wash, uh, they would wash the feet. I'll get into that just to, in a moment. But, but, but then, uh, you know, in that day, you know, it wasn't coffee and water and that wasn't the polite thing. The polite thing was, was, was to get their feet, feet clean. They, 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 they'd been in sandals. They, they're dirty. They're dusty. And, and, and I don't know about you, but, uh, uh, you know, feet are kind of a dirty thing. Amen? So I heard some yeses over on this side. Y'all must like them. No, I'm teasing. But, but in my house, those that have, have come to our, our uh, small groups that we have at my house, when we go upstairs, somebody said it, we take off our shoes. Now, you may have that custom that, that you take them off at the door, and, and what it kind of turns out to be at my house is people take them off when they come through the door. Because they know we're going upstairs, and in the upstairs, we don't wear shoes. So I tell them all this so it's not an uncomfortable thing, and I even say it, say it from the first times, don't wear your holy socks. <laughs> don't wear your holy socks when you come over because we're taking off our, our shoes when we go upstairs. And why, why do we do that? I, I mean, it's just, it's just our preference, or, or maybe not our preference, but it's my preference to kind of push it on, on the kids and, and such that, you know, shoes are dirty, folks. You walk, and I'm not giving some vacuum cleaner pitch here this morning, but, but you walk outside in the dirt. You, you get gas, and there's, there's junk all over that concrete. And, and then you want to take those shoes and walk up. And, and if you have carpet, guess where all that dirt's going? In the carpet. So I say, hey, don't wear shoes upstairs. We'll wear them downstairs. We can clean the wood, but we don't wear them upstairs. Now, if this time was that time, we would definitely be saying, or I would be saying, oh, don't leave until you, don't come any further until you wash your feet. 
Don't go back. Don't bring that dirt in here. Don't, don't, let's just get it cleaned. Let's get it taken care of, care of right there. But the host himself in that day wasn't the one that was doing the washing. And we have your feet washed, and then they'd ask the servant to, to go and kneel down and to wash the feet. It, it was looked upon as the lowliest of all services. Stay with me. And what Jesus does is he looks around the room and he sees distracted hearts and he sees dirty feet and Jesus puts upon an apron. He puts upon the garment of a servant, a lowly servant. Study it, it's true. Get, gets down on his hands and his knees. He takes a bowl and he takes a towel and he starts washing their feet. Who is Jesus here? Who, who is this, uh, this foot washer here? He's Emmanuel, God with us. He is the bread of life. He is the prince of peace. He is the living water. He is the great high priest. He is the light of the world. He is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. He is the righteous judge. He is the living stone. He is the true vine. He is the King of glory. He's the chosen one, King of kings, Lord of lords, Alpha, Omega, beginning and the end, the first, the last. He's our Redeemer. He's our righteousness. He's our sanctification. He's our rock. He is our Lord and He is our God. And he knelt down, took a bowl, carried a towel, and he washed feet. Because Jesus knew the greatest among you is never a self-promoter. He's always a servant. I didn't come to serve. I came to serve others to give my life a ransom for their sins. Listen to me now. And so Jesus here in his Passion Week... He goes and he cleanses the temple, clears out the temple, cleans it out. He curses the fig tree and he washes the disciples' feet because distractions had taken the focus off of the main thing. And no longer was it being fruitful. And faith in God wasn't in the place that it needed to be. And, and when it is, you can talk to your problem. Not, not about your problem. That's, that's one way to kind of gauge where your faith is. If, if you're just talking about your problem and telling somebody about your problem, then, then maybe you need to have a, a little more faith in God. Because Jesus said, you don't talk uh, about it. You talk to your problem. Not about it. You speak to the mountain and you tell it to be removed henceforth into the sea and if you believe it shall be done it shall be done serving is not just something that we do a servant is who we are just like last week when we when we enthrone Jesus on the praises and on the worship uh, worship is not something that we just do uh, that we just do on a Sunday no a worshiper is who we are same thing with serving a servant is not just something that I do it's who we are I am a servant of the most high God and when I serve others 
I'm serving Jesus Christ. Let that sink in. And this is the last story I'm telling. Listen to this. Jesus told another story in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 25, just a couple chapters after the ones that I just shared. And Jesus said, one day at the end of time, all these people are going to be standing before me and I'm going to separate them. And I'm going to put the sheep on one side. I'm going to put the goats on the other side. Put the sheep on one and, and the goats on other. And, and to the goats, I'm going to say, uh, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. We didn't know each other. We didn't have any relationship together. And he'd say to the sheep, welcome into the kingdom that I have prepared for you. I just wanted to tell you because when I was thirsty, listen, when I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. And when I was locked out, you invited me in. And when I was sick, you prayed for me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. And the sheep will look back and say, glad we're getting in, yes. But I don't remember any of that happening. I don't remember visiting you. I don't remember giving you a drink. I don't remember giving you something to eat. I, I don't remember all this. And Jesus would look back at them and say, what you did to the least of these brothers, you actually did unto me. When you visited somebody else, you was actually showing love to me. When you offered someone else a drink, uh, you were actually doing that for me. When you welcomed someone who didn't feel welcome, you showed them love and you showed them grace. You were actually welcoming me. It's less about you and more about him. And Jesus was trying to get that through on that last week to his disciples. It's more about people. Let's not be distracted. Serving isn't just something that we do. A servant is who we are. And Jesus would look at his sheep and he'd say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou in unto the joy of the Lord. Now listen. In the kingdom of God, the little things are big things. It's the little things. It, it, it's the things that you do when nobody else is looking. It, it's what you do that you feel insignificant. Uh, and in your faith, uh, with the little things, uh, God trusts you with even more. Promotion is not a reflection uh, of self. Uh, promotion, promotion in the kingdom of God uh, is self, uh, selfless uh, serving. Uh, selfless serving. Putting others ahead of you. Uh, others ahead of ourself. So Jesus goes into the temple. He turns over the tables. He says, hey, quit doing things uh, for shortcuts uh, and doing things for, for your ease or doing things uh, just to make it easier on yourself. Uh, start doing things uh, God's way. Uh, he cursed the fig tree. He washed the disciples' dirty feet all because they were distracted. And Jesus is teaching them. Jesus is reminding them. Jesus is showing them this is more important. Have faith in God pray 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 serve give your life give your life he that is greatest among you is the servant of all